Tonight we are going to be looking at Daniel chapter 10, but we won't begin there. We're going to begin by by thinking together about the Scriptures, about what they teach us about life. Through the Scriptures, God does teach us about life. He informs us about sin, about righteousness, the two sides that we are able to choose from as we walk this earth. Through the Scriptures, God challenges us to leave the evil in this world and choose what is good. And He shows us His love as He sends His Son to die for us, for our sins, so that He could forgive us and allow us to live with Him forever. But even as the Scriptures teach us these truths about life, and they teach us about the physical things that we're going to encounter, the, the struggles we'll have, the temptations we'll face. There is, beyond those physical things that we see and touch and feel, another layer to life. A layer hidden beneath the surface. A layer which deals with the world of the spirit. The world of spirit beings. There's a world which our eyes don't perceive, which our fingers don't touch. It's easy for many to completely dismiss anything that they can't can't recognize with any of their five senses. But the Scriptures speak of the reality of such things. Not only do they speak of them as real, but they teach us that those things which we do not see or touch or smell are in fact at war against us. And the Scriptures teach us how to fight. They teach us about the spiritual battle that we must wage against them through power and wisdom of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul is is wrapping up his letter to the Ephesians, and he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Paul is speaking of the battle that we fight every day that rages around us. Even now as we sit and worship together, there are those tempting thoughts or or perhaps an errant thought here or there that tries to creep in as we worship together. In Daniel chapter 10, we're offered a rare look at what sort of things happen behind the veil of this physical existence. We're informed about some things which are very troubling and other things which are very comforting. And tonight we're going to look at a number of passages together that concern this spiritual battle we're fighting. We're going to look for the power of God. And we're going to look at the actions that we can take here on earth which grant us access to the power that God promises to apply to our struggle. It's important that we clear some things that when we talk about accessing the power of God, we need to understand that 
God's power can only ever be used in ways that are in accordance with His will. There was a time when He granted through His power miracles to be performed by the hands of men and women alike. That was done so that the message He was giving might be confirmed as divine. Once that message was completed, His power was no longer needed to provide those miracles and so they ceased. But it doesn't mean the power of God has gone away. It's simply used for different purposes according to His will and for our benefit. And so as we look tonight and we talk about accessing God's power, we're not talking about leaping tall buildings in a single bound or anything like that. We're discussing those things which God promises to do through His power today for us if we reach out to Him. So the question is, how does God strengthen us today for the spiritual battle we continue to fight? In Daniel chapter 10, we find an aged Daniel nearing the end of his life. And if you look at Daniel chapter 10 and verse 1, what you'll see there is a summary of Daniel chapters 10 through 12, the rest of the book. It says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. And so here we have this look at what is happening in the next few chapters of Daniel. Daniel's been mourning for three weeks. We aren't told exactly why. There's some speculation about it, but it's not really important. The point is, he's been mourning for three weeks. And let's pick up in Daniel chapter 10, verse 10. He sees a vision of of a grand figure. And the two men with him don't see the grand figure, but they sort of sense its presence and they fall away in fear. But Daniel is there. And in verse 10, he's fallen into a deep sleep with his face to the ground. And then that figure comes to him. Verse 10, Behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, I understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to your words. Don't miss a few key statements that are made there by this, what appears to be an angel. In the end of verse 11, he says, I have been sent to you. And notice what he says in verse 12, that from the first day, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. From the first moment Daniel began praying, an order was given, presumably by God, for this angel to come to Daniel Now, I'm not telling you to expect a messenger of angelic qualities and and bright shining lights tonight as you say your prayers before bed. But there are 
other things we can expect. When we pray, we can know that our prayers do the exact same thing that Daniel's did, and that begins with moving directly and instantly to the ears of a very listening and willing to act God. And that we would receive a response from God to those prayers. Because when we pray, God listens and answers with power. I want you to understand uh, what sort of power I'm talking about. It's the same power that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. In the end of that book, he's instructing the church about how to find and maintain contentment, unity, peace in the Lord. And in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, he gives them a command saying, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is a statement to underline It is an absolute. By the power of God, peace will be granted us when we pray to Him and make our requests along with thanksgiving for everything He's already done. Now some look at this and they say, well, I've prayed before, but I didn't find much peace afterwards. I felt just as as under stress and in turmoil as I did before I spoke to God. Why is that? We won't turn there, but James deals with a similar problem. In James chapter 4, he tells them, uh, you know, you have not because you ask not. And he says, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. When we pray and we don't find peace, perhaps it's not the fault of God or uh, an unfulfilled promise from God, but perhaps, perhaps it's because we have not believed in the power of prayer. Prayer, notice in Philippians chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7, is to replace our anxious, life-consuming worries. When we pray, it ought to be an outlet for those things which are troubling us. And as we make requests of God, we ought to pair them with Specific statements of thanksgiving to Him for all that is good. And peace is promised to us in response to that. I don't think there's a single person on the earth who has not prayed in that way and found peace. Prayer is one way we access the power of God. We access the power of God to find peace in a world filled with worry and despair. As we fight the spiritual battle, prayer must not and cannot be left behind. You must keep it with you. You must be active in it. But there are other ways as well to access God's power. God's power is found in understanding the Scriptures. One of the things that uh, that the... Angel in Daniel 10 came to do was to give Daniel an understanding of the things that he was going to see. The power of God lies in understanding the Scriptures. In Matthew chapter 4, 
verses 1 through 11. Jesus is tempted by the devil. It's a remarkable section of Scripture because it teaches us about the power found not just in knowing the Scriptures, but in understanding them correctly. You'll remember that as each temptation came by, Jesus responded, it is written, it is written, it is written. But the second temptation is of particular interest to me tonight. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 5, the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, the very top. And he said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. The devil now, quoting scripture, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You see there that both Jesus and the devil knew Scripture, but it was Jesus who understood it correctly. And in understanding the Scriptures correctly, we find the power of God. By understanding correctly the Scriptures, we can see through the deceptions and continue to walk in truth with God. I want you to notice something else there before we move on to another passage. Jesus relied on a very simple, straightforward sort of passage. When the devil tried to deceive him with what might be a more confusing one. We need to take that with us. As we think about trying to correctly understand the Scriptures, don't leave the simple, straightforward passages behind in your studies. There's a reason we start with what's simple. It's because it forms a base, a groundwork, so that even when someone comes to you with a Scripture you don't understand, and they try to put it in a way that sounds convincing, you know that if it disagrees with what is basically true, that you can stand on that. And that's what Jesus did whenever he was tempted and told him, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Simple, straightforward, very easy. In Mark chapter 8, let's turn there. Mark chapter 8, verse 14. This passage is a strange one because there's a man who's blind and Jesus spits on his eyes and puts his hands on them and, and he doesn't completely regain his sight. And, and a lot of people have wondered about that. Why does he do that? What's going on there? And I think if, if we look together at this, you'll see why. And that'll become a very powerful example to you. In Mark eight fourteen, Jesus has just fed 4,000 people with not nearly enough food, but they ended up with extras left over. So he's done this great miracle which no one could deny or replicate. And then they get into a boat, he and his disciples. And verse 14 of Mark 8 says, They forgot to take bread. Did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving them orders, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Notice it's a bread analogy. He just fed 4,000 and they don't have any bread, but he says, Beware the leaven. Of these guys. 
And they began to discuss, verse 16, with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Underline, do you not yet see? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? I'd underline that too. And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? And they said to him, twelve. And when I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. And he was saying to them, do you not yet understand? And they came to Bethsaida. And they brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. Now you know why they wanted Jesus to touch him, so that he might regain his sight. Verse 23, taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village, and after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. Then again he laid his hands on his eyes. And he looked intently and was restored, began to see everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Some Christians spend their whole life reading the scriptures, but they never really come to understand their meaning. Nor do they apply the meaning to change the life they're living. We have to learn to set the scriptures before us. Look at them, see them, understand them, and let them change us. Let them shape our life. The healing of the man who was, born, or who was blind was an illustration of the fuzzy-sighted nature of the disciples. They had just seen a great miracle, and yet they didn't understand the power of Jesus. They followed Him. Because they knew that there was something grand about him, something different from everyone they'd ever known. But they didn't quite see it, really. It was fuzzy. It was unclear to them. Some people today talk about being good and doing what's good and what's right. But they never look into the Scriptures to find out what they call good. They're like the disciples who couldn't quite see They're like that blind man after the first time Jesus laid hands on him who just kind of saw fuzzy things out there that he might be able to make out. They're content to just walk around with fuzzy vision, being short-sighted and unable to discern the details of the spiritual walk God desires for them. The power of God is found in understanding the Scriptures seeing them for what they really are and allowing their message to clear your vision so you can see the world through spiritual eyes. We find the power of God in prayer. We find it in understanding the Scriptures and also, lastly, in fellowship. And this astounded me in Daniel chapter 10. Remember, the angel had been sent to Daniel from the first day he set his heart on understanding. But it's taken him some time to arrive. And look now at Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12. Daniel 10 and verse 12. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel. 
For from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Here is where that veil of the spirit world is peeled back somewhat so that we can see something that's happening that we would otherwise not even know was occurring. Prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding that angel for 21 days. And then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. And now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. Michael, who was one of those chief princes, came to help. And because of that help, this angel was able to continue on to help Daniel. The fellowship these angels shared together, fighting side by side for God, made them stronger and allowed them to complete the task before them. And our fellowship together makes us stronger to fight the spiritual battle. Multiple times we're told that Daniel was strengthened by the angel and then again by the other being that was, had human appearance. Look at Daniel 10.10. Verse 18, verse 19, not only was he touched twice to be given strength, but also he was strengthened by encouraging words. Look at verse 19. The one with a human appearance said, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Now as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength. And said, may my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Their touch, their words, offered strength to Daniel when he was falling on his face out of exhaustion. Our fellowship makes us stronger to fight the battle. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul uses a, an analogy about the church. Most are familiar with it. It's the analogy of a, of a body that we're one even though we're many members. He talks about how each part ought to care about the other and each is part of one another. And together we are a fully functioning spiritual body. Fellowship makes us strong. Without it, we're just unattached appendages lying around on the floor, not really able to accomplish much at all. Certainly not as useful as if we were a whole body together. Fellowship is where we find the power of God. We find encouragement there. We find strength to fight the battle that's being waged against us. The power of God is found in fellowship. And it's also found in the blood of His Son, Jesus, our Savior. And as we end our, our look tonight at this chapter of Daniel, I think it appropriate to mention that. Last but not least, of course, the blood of our Savior, Jesus. Prayer, understanding, and fellowship are three avenues by which we access the power of God. 
But the statement of Romans chapter 1 verse 16 makes it very clear that the power of God resides in another place as well. Paul says to them, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it. That is the message is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Tonight, if you've not obeyed the gospel, then you've not yet accessed the power of God for salvation. His message not only contains the good news of Jesus Christ and salvation through Him, but the pathway to have Him grant that to you. When any person hears the message of salvation... They're given an opportunity to repent of their sins, to confess their belief in Jesus, the Son of God, and to put Him on in baptism in His name for the remission of their sins. And then God's power will wash your sins away. It will make you clean. And it will raise you up to walk a new life in the light. If you're ready to obey the Gospel tonight, or if you have some other spiritual need, The power of God is ready for you to access if you'll make your need known by coming forward as we stand and sing.